0: When the British colonized India and established their businesses, they then felt the need for recreation. So they built a golf course, but golf in India presents a unique problem. Monkeys. Monkeys would run around and grab the golf balls and toss them around and play with them. And so the golfers tried to come up with some unique ways to solve their problem. First, they built a tall fence, but as you can imagine, a fence wouldn't do anything to keep the monkeys out. And then they tried luring them away, and the monkeys were just entertained by their antics. Lastly, they tried trapping them and relocating them. And um, this didn't work either, because where one would be relocated, two or three others would show up in its place. So the the golfers realized that the only viable solution to their problem was to play the ball where the monkey drops it. (laughs) Now, this could be a rather infuriating way to play golf. So a golfer might hit a shot right down the middle of the fairway, and a monkey might run out, grab the golf ball, and play with it, throw it out into the trees or the tall grass. Or, one might hit a slice into the trees, and the monkey might grab it and run, put it on the green. So, there were good breaks and there were bad breaks. Um, The golfers realized that this way of playing golf was much like life. Um, We have good breaks and we have bad breaks, and we can't always control the outcomes. So, We have times in life that are good, and we have times in life where we have big disappointments and struggles, but I want to share with you today that God is a loyal friend, that he provides us loyal friends, and that he sent Jesus as our ultimate loyal friend. As I've said, we all have disappointments, and my family and I have had our share. A few years ago, we walked through a really difficult time. I felt shocked and devastated. Um... I felt like my feet had been swept out from under me by a wave but God is good and as he would have it he set me right down on my knees and so in prayer and just seeking him uh, he gave me the strength and the courage to go to work every day and find that commitment and be vulnerable with my church family instead of hiding Um, So God had graciously given me a loyal biological family and a loyal church family. You see, years prior to this, God had called me into ministry in a church, this church. And here I found community and I found a safe place to um, be open about my pain and my struggles. And I found this in my church with the staff and now with my life group. So a couple of weeks ago, Gary and I had the opportunity to go to Chicago, and while we were there, we got to watch the Texas A&M women's basketball team uh, play in the Sweet 16. We lost, as you may have heard, but it was fun anyway, and we enjoyed it. And then we got to watch Stanford play afterward, and they were wearing a shirt that said family across the front. And I just I thought about what that meant for them, and it meant to me a devotion and a dedication to each other and to the team. And as the basketball team members were loyal to each other, so you, my church family, and the staff were loyal to me like a family. So we see this loyalty in the life of Ruth. So now I want to read to you from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "'Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband.'" Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or... To turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth and Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So, Ruth and Naomi had big disappointments. They both lost their husbands, and Naomi lost both of her sons. But, But Ruth was loyal to Naomi and ended up being like the only family that she had. So, the first point I want to make today is that family champions one another. They support, defend, and help each other. Ruth does this by clinging to Naomi and by supporting her quest to return to her home. She declares her commitment to Naomi, to Naomi's um, people, and to God. And my second point is that family is committed to staying together. Ruth has a loyalty characterized by... um, a, commit, a commitment to stay with Naomi. Her expressions of kindness and love reveal a Christ-like loyalty in her. She showed love, hope, and allegiance. That same, those same characteristics that Jesus shows us. So where has the monkey, where has the monkey dropped your ball? Has he dropped it in the rough or the tall trees? We all have struggles and disappointments in life, um, but we all we need friends and family like Ruth like Ruth was to Naomi like I found in you and just like um Christ followers can be to us those Christ followers who have a Christ like loyalty to um lead us with truth hope and love so be this friend for someone find this friend for yourself but no matter where the monkey drops the ball family champions one another and family is committed to staying together
1: Thank you, Gretchen. Going to just uh, continue uh, where 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 Gretchen left off there. Thank you so much. And uh, Gretchen got the staff these amazing shirts. If I'd have known that that she was going to, Will did not give me a T-shirt last week when he preached. Uh, But uh, I would have been having Gretchen preach for years if I'd have known I was going to be getting T-shirts out of it. But these shirts uh, say family, obviously. And I've had ten people ask me, "Are you going to preach this morning?" and I don't think anybody asked Will that last week, but his, just because his biceps are bigger than mine. But, uh, but we were in this church today just to remind us uh, that God has gifted, graced, blessed us with this incredible family. Um, and, uh, and he has been loyal to you in Christ and calls us to be loyal um, to one another. So as Gretchen has said, God is a loyal friend who provides us with loyal friends. Who, and, and he sent Jesus as our ultimate loyal friend. So throughout my Christian life, um, I've been blessed, probably like you, with some amazing Christian friends. Um, I've been amazed uh, by just the, the people that God has given me. Um, i found family in the body of Christ. A family joined not by the blood of, 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 of human family, but by the greater blood of of, of Jesus Christ. Um, i found found a family bond with my brothers and sisters in Christ that's stronger than anything else. But But like you, I've also tasted the bitterness of disappointment. The bitterness of betrayal at the hands of folks that, whose love turned out to be more conditional than unconditional. Uh, I suspect you've experienced that also. Um, and as I look at Ruth and Naomi, um, in Ruth chapter 1, I think about uh, the choice we have to be sour or be steady when disaster or struggle or tragedy happens. Um, so just a backstory on on what brought them to this point? Remember, Ruth 1 1 says that this all takes place during the days of the judges. So remember, uh, we talked about. Uh uh, Samson last week, Gideon the, the week before that. This was a, this season of the judges was just a really uh, dark period in, in Israel's history where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And, and there was during that time this man, Elimelech, and, and uh, he was from Bethlehem where David would later be born and Jesus would later be born. And, and, and things had, had gone so bad that Elimelech had to leave the land flowing with milk and honey because God's hand of judgment had come against the people and, and there was famine in the land. And he had to leave the promised land, go to Moab next door in order to find work. In order Order to find a place where he could farm and make a living for his family. And so they go, and, and, and he and his wife Naomi go, and they have two sons, Malon and Kilion. And Malon and Kilion marry Moabite women. And these are women that, uh, that would have served foreign gods. This was a big no-no, but they, they marry these Moabite women. Um, and then what happens next is, is Elimelech dies, and then his, he and Naomi's sons die. And this leaves uh, Naomi with her do, two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And as Gretchen read from, from Ruth, Ruth 1, Uh, Ruth uh, Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, hey, just go back to your family. You don't owe anything to me. Go to your family. I'm going back home. And they're saying, no, no, we're going to go with you. But in this day, the Israelite custom was if if your husband died, uh, you couldn't just go marry whoever you wanted to marry. Uh, You had to marry one of his brothers or another close relative, whoever the closest relative was. And so that's why Naomi's saying, look, even if I got married today and had another son today, like, are you wanting to wait twenty years before you get married? Like, go on with your life. You're not bound to me. Go back to your Moabite people. Um, and 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 Naomi is so um, defined by her grief and so defined by her bitterness that she says, "Don't call me Naomi anymore." Naomi rhymes with the Hebrew word for sweet. Don't call me Naomi anymore. She says, "Call me Mara," as Mara means bitter. She says, "The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me." And there's probably been times in your life when you've felt like the Almighty has dealt bitterly with you, where you have been dealt a severe blow. And, and, and she takes this name bitterness for herself. And, and you can count on disappointment coming. And when disappointment comes, we can be sour or we can become steady. And Ruth is an example of steadiness in the midst of hardship, in the midst of disappointment. When those disappointments come, we can either embrace bitterness or we can be embraced by authentic, godly community. And Ruth is that kind of community for Naomi, her mother-in-law. Maybe your earthly family of origin was um, was fantastic, was stable, was godly. Maybe it was a train wreck and dysfunctional. But either way... When you came to know Jesus, if you know Jesus, he placed you in a greater family than, in your, than your family of origin. He, he placed you in a family bought with his blood that he shed on the cross. And your allegiance is to the family of God. Your highest allegiance is to the family of God. And, and you know, Jesus models this. One day he's ministering, and his mother and sisters and brothers come, and they, somebody says, hey, Jesus, your mother and sisters and brothers have come to see you. He says, who are my mother and sister and, and brothers? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven are my mother and sister and brothers you've been placed in this new family and um and jesus calls us to radical commitment to his family the the word that the jewish commentators say stands out about from this book of ruth is that word commitment ruth is committed to naomi she's committed to this god she didn't she wasn't even raised knowing she's committed to this new family all ruth had to offer her new family was faith and empty hands and you know what, that's the entry requirements to God's family for you. Will you trust Jesus and will you bring your empty hands to him? And what happens by the end of this book is God fills Ruth's empty hands. So question, will you come to God's family with, where the entry requirements are faith and empty hands? Regardless of what your earthly family of origin was like, uh, through Christ he calls you and places you into a new family. Um, family champions one another. Family is committed to one another, and so Ruth is this picture of commitment. She's a picture of loyalty. And Ruth, one, um, verse eight, uh, Naomi says uh, to, to to actually to both Ruth and and and, uh, and uh, Orpah. She says, "You have dealt kindly with me. May the Lord deal kindly with you." And that word, kindly, is this Hebrew word hesed, which means covenant faithfulness or loyalty. Or mercy. It's the word used throughout the Old Testament for God's special covenant love for his people. It's the word throughout the Old Testament used for God's never giving up, never stopping, always and forever kind of love. It's the word that probably in the New Testament we would translate as grace. It's this beautiful word, and Ruth has demonstrated, Ruth demonstrates towards Naomi the kind of loyalty, the kind of steadfast love that God demonstrates to his special covenant people. And so it's easy for us to hear about people like Moses and Joshua and say, "Yeah, wow, well, uh, they're amazing." Of course, God used them. King David, uh, but we think, "Well, what could God do with just a regular old person like me?" And with Ruth, we find a regular person. We find a person that has all kinds of strikes against her. She was in these days a woman, which was a big strike against her. Anybody thinking God would use her, she was uh, she was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. And she was poor. And yet, God chooses Ruth to hold up as a witness and an example to us. God names a book of the Bible, a book of the Old Testament, after her. Can you imagine a foreign woman gets a book in the Old Testament named after her? And not only that, but God puts her in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God chooses to hold up her life as a witness to us. In the family of Jesus, you never know what kind of uh, characters you're going to meet. Ruth says, hey, don't make me leave you. Don't tell me to leave you again, Naomi. She says, your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. Nothing is going to separate us but death. That's commitment. That's loyalty. Um, So Ruth expresses a radical commitment to this new family, this new family that she enters by faith. Um, Orpah uh, we're, we're told in, in chapter 14, they lift up their voice, they weep. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her mother-in-law. Now, I'm not, uh, not uh, trying to say bad things about Orpah, but Orpah says, okay, this look, we've been on the road a while, I'm missing home. Uh, I don't think the life of being a widow forever is, is it for me. So she kisses her mother-in-law and goes back home. I think she had a talk show or something she had to go host. But Orpah kisses her mom and goes home. Lame, sorry. I just, I, I repent. Um, Orpah kisses uh, Naomi and, and goes, but, but Ruth clings to her. And, 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 you know, it's easy to, you know, that, 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 tr- that difference between, that contrast between a kiss and clinging is something that, that has been playing around in my mind. You know, it's easy to, um, to, to be kind of surface level committed to Christ and his people um, Judas even betrayed Jesus with this kiss, this sign of hospitality and welcoming, but Mary, outside the tomb of Jesus, she clung to Jesus. Um, are, are you a, 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 have you kissed the people of God, or do you cling to the people of God? Uh, are you, are, are you a hitchhiker believer? What do I mean by that? Orpah kind of reminds me of this hitchhiker I picked up once in high school. Don't try it at home, guys. But I was, I was driving to school, saw this guy broke down on the side of the road, I, I was like, hitchhikers, pick them up. And so I pull over and um, have my old blue 64 Ford that I still have. And um, I said, come on in and I'll take you as far as cross Plains." And so we putter a couple miles down the road. My gas gauge didn't work, still doesn't work. I ran out of gas, used to run out of gas all the time. So a couple miles down the road, I run out of gas. I pull over and we get out and I'm in the back of my, I'm looking in the back of my pickup. i saying, hey, no worries. You know, I've got a, a gas tank in here somewhere. I'll just walk up to this house over here. And I look around, dude's already waved down. Uh, a semi-truck, hopped in with him, and he's down the road. See, he was with me as long as there was no adversity. He was along for the ride as long as nothing was expected of him. And we have a lot of believers that are hitchhiker Christians. You're here until you get mad. You're here until you get your feelers hurt. You're here until you get offended. And is that cool? Cool. Is that what Christ has called you to? Man, he's called us to something greater than that. He has modeled something so much more beautiful than that for us. Orpah says, man, I'll kiss you, but I'm gone. Ruth clings, and she says, I'm not going anywhere. There's this old word that's inspired by Ruth. You, you, most of us haven't heard this word before, or I hadn't. It's this word called Ruthful. Anybody ever heard the word Ruthful before? Um, It's the the quality of being merciful or compassionate to someone who is experiencing sorrow. You're familiar with its opposite, though, ruthless. To be ruthless is to have no mercy, no compassion, no grief for someone who's struggling and experiencing difficulty. In a ruthless world, God's people have to ruthlessly cultivate ruthfulness. You're not going to accidentally become ruthless. You're not going to accidentally become loyal and merciful and faithful. It takes cultivation. So family, as Gretchen shared with us, champions one another. Ruth's uh, loyalty ultimately transforms Naomi's bitterness into joy. Families committed to one another. Ruth is with Naomi no matter what, but third, what I'll add is that family has conflict with one another. Your family ever have conflict? I'm so thankful that Sonda is not a hitchhiker, Christian, or she would have left me in the dust a long time ago. She has, stu- she has with, stuck with me, stuck with me, she has stuck with me um, for 17 years, through ups and downs, uh, good and bad. B- Biblical loyalty is not blind loyalty. There are times that we will be in conflict with one another if we are in community with one another. And when conflict happens, that's usually when we cut and run, right? That's usually when we say, well, I'm out of here. But what if conflict is an opportunity for you to glorify God by honoring God above your feelings? Wouldn't it be awesome if if there were people in this world, more people in this world, who, who elevated glorifying God above how I feel in this moment. And conflict, when we work through confidence in a biblical and a humble way, it's an opportunity to glorify God. It's an an opportunity to serve someone else. It's an opportunity to grow in depth. Um, Ruth could have gone back to Bethlehem just with blind loyalty and said, "Okay, I'm going to be called bitter too, and, and I'm going to just give up on life as well." And she could have just said, she could have interpreted loyalty to Naomi as just joining Naomi in her misery. Look, Ruth lost a lot too. If anybody got dealt a bad hand or had the monkey drop their, their ball in the rough, it was Ruth. But what Ruth did after they got to Bethlehem, they get to Bethlehem and everybody's saying, oh, can you believe Naomi's back? And she brought that Moabite lady with her. And what, what Ruth does is she goes out to a field and she says, I'm going to make a life for us. The first time the word hope is used in the Old, Test- in the Old Testament is in this book. Ruth goes and she's so driven by hope. She's so driven by loyalty that she doesn't just join Naomi in Naomi's bitterness. She goes out and she makes a life. And she just so happens to arrive in Bethlehem at the harvest time. She just so happens to stumble into this field that's owned by this man named Boaz. See, God's sovereignty is at work all in the backstory of Naomi and Ruth's life. But they didn't even know it. And God's sovereignty is at work all through the background of your life. Even at times that he seems so distant and he seems so far away, God is sovereignly working on your behalf. And so Boaz rides up on his horse, he looks over there and he sees Ruth and she's, a, she's like, she's a hoss. Like she's like got all this barley on her back and she's working hard. Like the, the amount of barley she took home her first day on the job was this crazy amount and, uh, and she's been doing CrossFit or something. She's, she's ripped and she's probably grimy and dirty but Boaz like rides up on his horse and looks over at her and it's like, you know, she's like the wind or something that starts playing in the background. And He says, uh, chapter two, verse, verse five, he says, who does she belong to? Literally, says, whose woman is this? Not very gender-inclusive language of of Boaz, but he says, whose woman is this? And that's the central question of this book. Who does she belong to? That's the central question of your life. Who do you belong to? Who does she belong to? By faith, she belongs to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By faith, she belongs to this family that doesn't even want her. They don't even want her, and yet she belongs there by faith, and the central question of her life, who does she belong to? She belongs to God. Who do you belong to? Where is your commitment? Where is your radical commitment? Ruth points us to Jesus. Jesus is a better Ruth, and he's a better Boaz. Jesus expresses a loyalty to us, even greater than the loyalty of of Ruth. He is loyal to you all the way to the cross, all the way to having his flesh torn and his blood shed on the cross for you and me. Ruth points to our need, not just for Christ, but she points to our need for for family. Maybe you've noticed that there's not very many Ruthful people in this world. Maybe you're thinking, man, I need a Ruth in my life. Where's my Ruth? Man, I need a Ruth. And if you're thinking that, if you're thinking this world needs more Ruths, the the solution is as simple as it is challenging. You know the solution. You already know it. The solution is if we need more Ruths in the world, then God's calling you to be one. There wasn't a Ruth in Ruth's life, so she became one. You didn't go around looking for one. She was one. How do we become Ruthful? Through faith in the greater Ruth. Through trusting him. And he develops, he imparts that covenant faithfulness in us. So how does Ruth's story end? Boaz says, whose woman is she? And he says, hey, leave a little extra for her. And the, see, see, the way this worked is in these days, people like widows and foreigners, um, the poor, the orphan would come to these fields and, the, and, the, and those that were gleaning the, wheel, the fields would leave what was in the corners. And the widow, the poor, the foreigner would come and take what was left behind for them Um, And and that's how they survived. And Boaz says, hey, protect this lady. Watch out for this lady. Uh, Leave uh, some extra out there for her. And eventually through some some early uh, Israelite um, traditional stuff, uh, Ruth and Boaz become married. He's this kinsman redeemer. He's the one who's close enough kin that can redeem her from her misery and her widowhood. They get married and the curtain closes on this book with Ruth laying this baby boy on Naomi's lap. And that baby boy will become the grandfather of King David. And Naomi's bitterness is no more. Ruth gets two mother-in-laws. I, um, amazing. I don't know what, how, how there's not a book on that. But her first mother-in-law is Naomi. And her second mother-in-law The mother of Boaz is this lady named Rahab that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So beautiful. And both Rahab and Ruth end up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So God is sovereign and He works beauty out of tragedy, even if it takes a really long time. God created you for community, He created you for radical commitment to a family, the family of God. Community is not just found, it's forged through life together. If you're thinking you're going to stumble into commitment like this, into community like this, no, it's, it's awkward at first, and it's forged. It's got to be cultivated, so will you cultivate it? I need people in my life who are characterized by unconditional love, who are unshakably uh, clinging to hope, who are unswervingly committed to truth, and we want to be that kind of community to you, and we ask your forgiveness when we fail. But there is one who, who's unconditional love, who's unshakable hope and whose unswerving truth never fails and that's the better Boaz the better Ruth Jesus Christ I'm gonna turn the message over to Gretchen and the band can come up
0: Jesus is better than Ruth he's characterized by better loyalty he is our ultimate loyal companion and he invites us into his family and he adopts us into his family Um. Ruth suffered in her loss, and yet she left her family, and she was committed to Naomi and her family. Um, I've moved all over the country with my family, and through that time, I found loyal friends, and I found loyal Christ followers to walk with me through mom failures, through miscarriages, and health scares, and loneliness, and he reminded me that I can always depend on him, and that He gave me a certainty that even in struggles and even in hard times, he would use me and could use me to share him with the world. So um, if you know him, that's awesome. Trust him. He's trustworthy. But if you don't know him, then let's take care of that today. It's as easy as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. We all fail. We all make mistakes believe that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins that would pay the price for every sin we've committed and every sin we will commit and then C is confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior confess confess to God that you've accepted him and confess to the world and so if you haven't done this haven't prayed this prayer then let's take an opportunity to do this right now